ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Lord, speak to me. Ask him to speak to you this morning. Send me your we word, need to Lord, hear from you. Speak to me. We need to hear from you, Father. Speak to me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Father, Thank you, Father. Speak to, me. speak to me, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us speak this morning. Speak to me. I am here don't, to just, don't Just don't change us. Don't just change us. Transform us. Don't just challenge us. Transform us. Change us. my life, oh God. This morning. This morning. Change us. Change us. Transform me. Bring us to the place of infirmity. We give you praise. We give you praise. Father, we declare that your word is anointed. Amen. Declare that your servant is anointed. Amen. Declare that the ears and the hearts of your people are anointed to receive Amen. your word. Yes. Holy Spirit, brood over your word this morning. Brood over our hearts this morning. Amen. And let your name be glorified. Let the chains be broken. Amen. And let your name be exalted. Yes, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In the name of Jesus, we are giving thanks. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I must appreciate everyone that is here this morning in the Secret Place Chapel. You guys are looking so good. I want to thank God for you. I know you have a, a, other choices, a place to worship, but you choose to come and worship with us this morning. I appreciate you for that. I want to tell you that there is a word for you this morning. We have been on our Freedom Series, Freedom indeed series since this month and today we are moving forward to a message that I want you to understand that today's message is not a sin consciousness message. Today's message is not a sin consciousness message. Amen. Amen. The Bible says and today's message is not a condemnation message. The today's message is not the same consciousness message. It's not the condemnation message. The Bible says that there is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So today's message is a message we don't normally, usually hear in church. But I, I pray before God, before you can be set free, you need to know what you need to be set free from. And I want you to understand that today's message is not a message you should listen for somebody else. It's a message you should listen for yourself. It's a message, if it does not concern you, there is somebody you may know that may need this message. So I want us to receive it and be open and believe that the Holy Spirit will be ministering to us. Last month, we were talking about purpose. Last month, we talked about purpose, that every one of us came here for a purpose. The only reason why you will not fulfill the purpose of which God sent you is some things that you have not allowed, you have not dealt with. There are some things you need to deal with for you to be able to step into the purpose where which God has ordained for your life. So today's message is captioned addiction. Today's message is captioned addiction. We call it a soul therapy. 
because we want every one of us to look into ourselves and see areas we have not sub submitted to God. So that is what we call the soul therapy. There are areas that we have to look into our soul, look into ourselves and see areas that we have not yet submitted to God. And those are the areas we believe that we're going to have freedom, we're going to find freedom from. Amen. There are three enemies. There are three enemies that have vowed that you will not fulfill destiny. There are three enemies that are that have risen to stand against you. The Bible speaking in First John, First John chapter two, verse fifteen and sixteen. The Bible says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the things that are in the world are the the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life." These things are not of the Father, but they are from the world. So the three enemies we, you have that have vowed to stop you, to hinder you from fulfilling destiny, the three enemies are one, the devil, two, the world, and three, the flesh. These are three enemies that are fighting against you on daily basis to make sure you will not fulfill the destiny for your life. The devil comes against you. The world comes around you. And the flesh comes within you. So these three enemies are always fighting against your destiny. And out of these three enemies, your greatest enemy is not the devil. Your greatest enemy is not the world. The great, your greatest enemy is the flesh. So you are your enemy. You are your enemy. So you see, somebody said that he doesn't want to sin against God. He doesn't want the world to make him sin. He doesn't want the devil to make him sin. So he locked himself inside his room. And guess what? Who did he go inside the inside his room with? Mm. Himself. He went inside the room, locked himself up to avoid the world and the devil to tempt him. But inside that house, inside that place he locked himself up, is himself. So that is the challenge about life. Your greatest enemy is you. And we have we need to understand this thing because. The more we understand it, it will help us to know how to fight or how to how to dedicate our life to God. You see, we know so much. We know what not to do. But the problem is we can't, we don't have the power not to do those things. There are so many things, even as a believer, when you are saved, as we have been talking about, when you are saved, your soul is not saved. Your body is not saved. The only place that is saved is your spirit. So now, your, your soul that is not saved is warring against you to make sure you are not being, you are not going to be able to fulfill what God has called you to do. So now, we, the, the place we are having this battle is in our mind.
Our mind is the battleground. Where we need, to, that is why the Bible says we should, we should present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Which means we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewal of our mind. It is our mind that is where the battleground is. That is where we need to renew our mind. We need to, so that we can be able to face and do what God has called us to do. Your battlefield, where the challenge is, is in the mind. Like we have been talking about, the devil is not happy that you are saved. The devil has vowed to pursue you, to overtake you, to make sure that he brings you back from the, from, from the place where God has set you free. So now we, 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 the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the enemy is fighting you, even when you are saved. The enemy is fighting, making sure that you will not fulfill your destiny. So now, you see, there are so many people, they think that when you are saved, you are free. The place that you are free is in your spirit. There is a battle that is still going on in your soul, in your body. So now, the question is, what, what can I do to be free from these forces that are risen against me? How can I be free from the world? How can I be free from the devil? How can I be free from me? How can I be free from sin? In the Bible, in Acts of the Apostles, we saw that there was a very big revival going on in Acts of the Apostles. People were coming to the church. People were being saved. In Acts of the Apostles chapter 5, the Bible says that this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold a portion of their land, and guess what? They, they came and brought some part of the money. They came back part of the price. So when Peter was asking them, is that how much you sold the, the money, the, the land? Because that was what they said. They said yes. The Bible said that immediately Ananias died. In the midst of the revival, Ananias was saved, but he was still being challenged with the spirit of lies. So he was being still being challenged with the spirit of lies. The Bible says after some hours, the wife came. Peter asked, him, asked the wife, is that how much you sold the plot of land? She said yes. Two of them collided to lie against the Holy Spirit. In the midst of the revival, there was lying in the church. Some people were still lying. Remember, they are saved. They are saved, but they, they, there are some areas in their life that they have not, they have not given surrender to God. So the, the devil was still using them and attacking them in that area. In, in the same as of the Apostle chapter 6, the Bible says there was a time when the, 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 the brethren, the church gathered, but there was a, a misunderstanding between the Jews and the Greek. The Bible says that they, they, were, they were fighting. So there was discrimination in that place. And the Bible says that in the midst of revival, there was murmuring. The, the, the Hebrews were against the Greek. The, their women, their widows were neglected in the midst of revival. There was, the, 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 there was people, everybody was fighting each other. 
the, the Hebrews were fighting against the Greek. So why was it so? Because their soul has not been saved. Though their spirit is saved, their soul has not been saved. So you could still see that quarrel. You could still see that problem. In Philippians chapter 2, there was these two ladies, Philippians chapter 4, there was these two ladies. The Bible says that Paul, Paul called the disciple of the disciple and asked them, please make sure you settle the grievance between Judea and Cynthia. I urge you, Judea and Cynthia, to iron out your differences, your makeup. God does not want his children holding grudges. And, and so Paul was asking them to, to, to fix whatever the problem they were having. And these two people, the, Paul said in verse 3 that they, they were his partners in the faith, in the ministry. Mm -hmm. They worked with him. Their names are written in the book of life. Yet, they were holding grudges. They were backbiting with one another. So, what we are talking about is not about going to heaven. What we are talking about is what the enemy can use to hinder you, to limit you from fulfilling your destiny. Uh, it's not about going to heaven. Your spirit is, so, is, is saved, but your flesh and your soul has not been saved. So that was why we saw all these problems, all these challenges, all these lifestyles happening in the church, in the midst of revival. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I want us to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says that in the, in the church in Corinth, in the church in Corinth, it has been widely reported that there is gross sexual immorality among you. The kind of immorality that is so revolting is not even tolerated in the social norms of unbelievers. What is that immorality? A man was sleeping with his stepmother in the church of Corinth. And the Bible says that the people of the church in Corinth, they did not care about it. He must be a wealthy man. He must be a rich man. So the, 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 the church in Corinth, they were speaking in tongues over it. They thought it does not matter. Paul said, no, 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 no. This thing shouldn't be happening in the church. Why? Why is it? Why was it happening? Saved, they are saved, full of the Holy Spirit, baptized, speaking tongues, but there were some immoralities in their midst. Their soul was saved. Their, their spirit was saved, but their soul wasn't saved. So we see when you are saved. There are some areas in your life you need to surrender to God. You need to surrender your soul. And in your soul, we know you have your will, you have your emotion. You, you, you need to surrender your soul. You, you need to surrender, say, give your life to, not only your spirit that is saved, your soul has to be saved. So that is where the problem is. We have... Um, our case study, the person I want us to look at very seriously is in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 from verse 15. Romans chapter 7 verse 15, the Bible talks about 
what was happening to somebody. This is Paul, the apostle. For what, for that which I do, I allow not. What I don't want to do, that is what I see myself doing. I do what I hate. In verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the Lord that is good. Now, then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform it is the challenge. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I do not want to do, that is what I find myself doing. Now, if I do that which I, do, I don't want to do, it is no more I that does it. It is the sin that dwells in me. I find then a new law that when I will do good, evil is present with me. For I delight to do the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my member warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin in my member. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can be able to deliver me, to deliver my body of this death? This was Paul, the apostle. This experience happened to him when he just got saved. He was not Saul. He, was, he has been saved, but he saw himself struggling with sin. The devil knew that he has been called as, a, as, as, as an apostle to the Gentiles. The devil knew that he has a, a, a powerful ministry ahead of him. So his flesh became a challenge to him. He said, what I want to do, I don't do. I see myself struggling. I see myself fighting against him, against flesh. What happened it is not in his spirit. His spirit, we knew the experience of his conversion in Acts of the First chapter 8 and 9. How Jesus met him on the way to Damascus. He gave his life. He surrendered his life. But there was in his body a force that was fighting him that wouldn't want him to become all that God has called him to be. That is what we are talking about. Where there are some things in your flesh, there are some things in your mind that we need to surrender to God. This happened after he was saved. So to be saved is to know God. To be saved is not yet to find freedom. When you are saved, you now need to come to the place where you will surrender fully your, your, your soul, your flesh to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is then you will not be conformed to this world. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. You say, God, I give you my life. I give you my body. How does it happen? As you study the word, as, as you 
as you come to fellowship, as you stay in prayer, your mind is renewed. Things begin to, the, 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 your soul is renewed because we know your spirit is saved, your soul is not saved. Look at Ephesians. I don't, I don't think it's on the, on the, on the, on the, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Please, I want everybody to look at this place. Ephesians chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. God, Paul was talking to Christians in Ephesus. He was telling them, you were taught with regard to your former ways to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. 24. And to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have two natures. That is what Ephesians is telling us. We have two natures. One nature is your... One nature is the new nature. If any man is in Christ, that person is a new creature. So when you are in Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, you have a new nature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. You are not refurbished. Something happens in your spirit, in your spirit man. So you have a new, a new nature when you give your life to Jesus. Some, some place called that new nature, a new man. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 10, Colossians calls the, 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 your new nature, your new man. And in, in Romans chapter 7, verse 22, here we read, call your new nature, the inward man. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Though my outward man perish, yet my inward man is renewed day by day. So your new nature is called your new, the new man, or the inward man, or the inner man. So that is where the righteousness of God was, the gift of righteousness was given. That is where true holiness is found in your new nature, in your inner man, in your inward man, in your inner man. That is where Christ-likeness, you cannot, you, you see, you cannot improve in your spirit. Your spirit is pure. Your spirit is righteous. But there is another nature called your old nature. Called your old nature. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 called it your outward man. The old nature is your outward man. The old nature is the old man. Colossians chapter 3 calls it, Colossians 3 9 calls it the old man. So these are the places where we see corruption where we see unhealthy, destructive desires, where we see lust, where we see the addiction, it is in the old man. 
Your new man is created in Christ Jesus. Your new man is renewed. But in your old nature, that is where the challenge, that is where the battle is. That is where the corruption is. Paul said, I want to do good, but I don't see myself doing it. I, I try. <laughs> I try to do good, but I see another law fighting me. I don't know if you have seen a, a medical doctor smoking. I don't know if you have seen a medical doctor being an alcoholic. These are the people that knows you can't, you are killing your liver. But they don't have the power not to do it. Paul said, the, the good I want to do, I don't do. But the evil I don't want to do, I see myself doing it. There is, there is a law in me that is causing me to do that. Uh... I want you to understand, this message is not about sin consciousness. It's about you understanding that Jesus has paid the price for your freedom. Uh, but you have to come to the place where you look at yourself, you say to yourself, are there areas in my life I have not surrendered completely? I've seen a doctor, I've seen a father, sorry, a, a, a father telling, smoking, and telling his son, please don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. He's smoking. He knows it is wrong. But he can't help himself. He can't help himself. Don't try this. Have you seen a promiscuous mother telling her daughter, please, don't do this. There is consequences. If they know not to do it, why are they doing it? There is a law in my flesh that the evil I don't want to do, I see myself doing. But the good that I want to do, I don't do it. You cannot win a battle. You are ignorant of who the enemy is. You cannot win a battle. And you see, the problem in the church is we don't talk about these things. And we know they exist. We know that they exist. You, you see pastors lying, lying, lying from the pulpit. You see pastors preaching against this sin, against sin of immorality, and you see them doing it. Why? So that is what we are believing God for, that this message will bring us to the place where we understand that Jesus has paid the price for these things. You see, the reason why Paul or Saul, Paul was, was, was fighting this thing is you don't fight sin. You don't fight sin. We talked about it yesterday in our Bible club. You don't fight sin. You don't fight Satan. Oh, we are fighting demons. No, you don't. Because Jesus already did the fighting for you. Jesus already gave you the victory. You have to come to the place where you appropriate it. Where you understand what Jesus did for you. Where you understand what Jesus did for you. So when we talk about the old man, we are talking about some habits, destructive habits, characters, areas in our life that we have not surrendered to Jesus. That is why we are talking about the topic today, addiction, soul therapy. Like I said when we started, 
Don't listen for somebody else. Listen for yourself and look into yourself and see if there is anything that the Spirit of the Lord is telling you. Any enemy you don't deal with today will deal with you tomorrow. Any sin you don't decide. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, put off the old man. Mm. Put off. Jesus has already done his part. It is now you to make a decision to put off the old man. In First Samuel chapter 15, God said to Samuel, the, Saul was told, go and destroy the Amalekite. Destroyed everything. Don't spare anything. Amalekite represent the flesh. Anyway, anytime you see Amalek in the Bible, he's talking about the flesh. Samuel told Saul, go and smite Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Don't spare anything. Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, horse and sheep, camel and ass. Why did Samuel ask Saul to do that? Because if you don't kill Amalek, if you don't destroy Amalek, Amalek will destroy you. Amalek will kill you. And it is your responsibility. It is your responsibility to put off the old man. It is my responsibility. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus, there were some habits. There were some lifestyles. There were some elements in your life that we are doing. There are some people, they lie so much before they give their life to Jesus. And that spirit, your spirit is saved. But that lifestyle is still in you. That habit is still in you. You see, we want to get this thing. If any man is in Christ, that person is the new creature in your spirit. But the old habit, the old lifestyle are still there. So once in a while, you remember the Bible says in Matthew, when an evil spirit is cast out, from somebody. Mm. That evil spirit, after some time, he will come back to see if the place he was cast out is empty. What does the Bible mean by being empty? If you have not filled your life with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you are not producing, you are saved. But that area is still empty. What happens? The Bible says that the, the devil, the evil spirit will go and bring more seven deadlier spirit to attack you. And you begin to look at this brother and this sister that was saved. What is happening? Because they got saved, their mind was not renewed. Their mind was not renewed. That is why we need to treat this thing. There are some habits, there are some characters we need to deal with. If you don't leave them, if you don't deal with them, they will grow with you. And they will stop you from fulfilling destiny. They will stop you from making a difference. We gave a story about pastors. Pastors. That before they were saved, they had challenge with drugs. They gave their life to Jesus. They answered the call. 
they did not come to the place of finding freedom. They move on to discover purpose. They move on to, to making difference. Remember, the devil you, do not do, you don't deal with, the sin you don't deal with will continue. And sin does not remain little. Sin grows. You see, the Bible says in, 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 in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, it says that don't say that God is tempting you because God does not tempt anybody. Everyone is tempted by their lust. The lust will produce sin and sin will produce death. That is the, how it graduates. So they did not deal with these things. And guess what? The thing stopped them. The habit stopped them. They could not fulfill and make a difference. So what are those addictions? What are those habits? Let's begin with what is addiction? What is addiction? Addiction is not limited to substance abuse. We always look at addiction as, oh, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, I'm a, no. Addiction is not limited to substance abuse. abuse. And addiction is in phases. Addiction grows. Addiction doesn't start as an addiction. It starts as a, what you are having fun from. Before you know it, it becomes a habit. Before you know it, it becomes addiction. What is addiction? Addiction is unhealthy. I want us to get this. Addiction is unhealthy, destructive habit or behavior. Unhealthy, destructive habit. And we do it to ourselves. Remember, your enemy, your greatest enemy is not the devil. Your greatest enemy is not the world. Your greatest enemy is you. You are your enemy. So those addictions are unhealthy things that we allow to crop into ourselves, into our life. What is addiction? Addiction is something you find difficult to give up. Something you find difficult to give up. A behavior. You enjoy it. But you find it difficult. To, and you know it's not good for you. It's a form of habit. You see? Habit is something you get used to. I remember we form our habit. And our habit forms us. A habit is a routine or regular behavior that gets harder to give up the longer and the behavior goes on. See, please, I want you to look into yourself. This is not judgmental. I want us to look into ourselves. Is there any habit that I am forming on a regular basis that I know is destructive? I know it's not good for me. Is there any habit like that? Is there something that I repeat, I do often, that I know is not good for me? What we repeatedly do, we eventually become. What we repeatedly do, we eventually become. Anything that I do that I don't want to do, and I can't stop doing, it's, it's an addiction. Remember, addiction moves <coughs> start from a habit. 
anything that I do and I don't want to do. Like Paul said, for the good that I would do, I don't do. The evil that I don't want to do, I see myself doing it. So something that you do that you cannot, that controls your life is an addiction. Something that you cannot do without. Addiction is a loss of self-control. Uh. Where you cannot, I, I, I don't want to watch this, but you see yourself watching it. That is an addiction. Inability to delayed gratification. Inability to delayed gratification. Whatever my impulse says, that is what I would do. Whatever I, I feel like doing, that is what I would do. Oh, I have, I have seen stories, I have seen people that <coughs> you, they see themselves limited, they, they see themselves as though they are in prison, they are chained. Some part of your life that will not let go. Some part of your life that will not let go. I call it a pharaoh. You have tried. You have applied all the 10 plates. Yet, you can't let go. That particular sin that you keep on confessing every day, you confess it and you go back to it, uh, it's an addiction. Uh, 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 it's an addiction. Addiction is your pet sin. Your pet sin. Do you know there are people that say, no, this one, I, I, I don't want to leave it. I don't, I, I, I don't want to surrender it. Somebody was singing a song. I surrender. I surrender all. Yeah. Then somebody was saying, I surrender. I surrender some. I surrender. I surrender some. Because there are some areas in my life I enjoy. Have you seen, a, have you had a smoker? A smoker. Somebody said to me, Pastor, tell me where the Bible says I should not smoke. He said, anytime I smoke, it calms me down. Uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, before he goes to toilet, he cannot go to toilet without smoking. The first thing he does when he wakes up in the morning is to get his smoke. After he finishes eating, the food will not settle without smoking. There are some people that are like that. You see, it has moved from a habit to become an addiction. It didn't start that way. And they, they know, they know, they know that it's killing them. Uh, they know that their liver is burning. Uh, but they can't stop it. And they will defend it in the Bible. Where, where did the Bible say should not smoke? So we call it a pet sin. An addiction is an idol. An addiction is that thing you do, you, you worship. When you wake up, the first thing you do, what do you do? What is the first thing you do when you wake up? An addiction is an idol, something you idolize, something you worship, something that takes the place of God in your life more than anything else. You give that in preference. You spend so much time in that thing. What is it? That is no more. You have exalted that thing. You've exalted that thing. 
Tonight it could be anything. It could be your game. It could be your sport. Sleep could be your, your idol. What you honor, what you respect more than God. That could be your idol. And this morning, the Lord wants us to look into our life and see the area that we have not surrendered totally. Because if we don't surrender them, they will surrender us. If we don't stop them, they will stop us. If we don't expunge them, they will hinder us. That is what the Lord wants us to do. For you to find freedom, you must want to find freedom. You must desire to find freedom. Somebody called me and said to me, Pastor, I have this, my, my cousin, my, my, my nephew, sorry. He's in, he's in, he's in, in Massachusetts. I want you to pray for him. He has this habit. He cannot stop. I said, honestly speaking, have you seen people that we have prayed for? They fall under that anointing. After the prayer and they pray, after the casting out of a demon, they go back to do it. It's not the prayer. Freedom, the Bible says, you shall know the truth. Uh. And the truth that you know will set you free. Not prayer. You can cast out demons and they will go. But if that person has not gotten the truth, have not known the truth, know what to do, know who they are in Christ, know who they are in Christ, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. They will see themselves being a slave to these things. Mm. So that's what we're talking about. You see, an addiction is a stronghold. An addiction is a stronghold. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is anything that exalts itself in your mind. Pretending to be bigger or powerful more than God. Addiction is anything that exalts itself. Where? Not in your spirit. In your mind. In your body. Pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. Addiction is like somebody that is in prison, locked by deception. Addiction is when you're living your life by something that is not true. Some part of your life that will not let go is an addiction. Is there any sin or anything you say this year, you make a resolution about it. Every year you keep making a resolution. This year I'm not going to do this. This year I'm not going to do this. And after one week or two, second, third week of January, of January, you see yourself, yourself going back to it. It's an addiction. It's an addiction. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, from verse 3, so, though we walk after the flesh, we don't walk in the flesh. For the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Who is the one that is casting them down? You. What is, what is stronghold? Stronghold in the King James Version, stronghold is an imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
New Living Translation calls a stronghold a proud obstacle. A proud obstacle. TPT calls it a deceptive fantasy. Uh, Things you fantasize about. A deceptive fantasy. It's a stronghold. Message calls it manipulations. Things that the enemy is sending your way. Remember, remember, in a in you, you have been saved. You've been delivered from Egypt. But the enemy is still pursuing you. The enemy said, I must get him back. So the enemy is putting some of these things, manipulations, high things, arguments, arguments. You, you start to, you, his enemy will tell you, oh, it doesn't matter. Everybody's doing it. It doesn't matter. And you know that you are limited. You know that you, you don't feel good about them. But you can't stop them. You, there are the symptoms. You, you see them. They steal your focus. Those are the symptoms of addiction. They steal your focus. They causes you to feel controlled. Uh, as though you are helpless. You see, we, we, I, I, I have seen so many people that by the grace of God, God is leading us to help. Me and Pastor Ben, we went to this addiction place in Baltimore. There were some people there that we went to see. You know, they were challenged by alcohol, by drugs, by all those stuff. So as we, one day, this guy said to me, Pastor, I cannot control this thing. I'm helpless. That is what the enemy tried to tell you. As though you are helpless. This is who I am. You see, the people that are going through all these, all these um, um, studies, all these people, uh, help, help places, they tell them, say that you are an addict. I am an alcoholic. I am this. No. That is what the enemy is trying to do to these people. To make them feel they cannot help themselves. To make them feel that that is the end of their life. They cannot, so many of them, we, we have tried to bring them, after some time they go back. Why? They were doing it by their own strength. You cannot get free by your own strength. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. The weapon of our warfare are not carnal. The reason why they struggle and they think they cannot help themselves is because they think they can do it by themselves. They have not surrendered. They have not surrendered. They have not said to Jesus, Jesus, this area, my soul has to be renewed. I, I give myself, I surrender my mind. They have not done that. And this addiction consumes their emotion. It consumes their emotional energy. Drains life out of them. Drains. There was one of them. I came to pick up from church to church. I just when I was shaking, his hand was so hot. His face was. I said, "My brother, you can be delivered, but you have to understand. You don't fight this thing. You can't fight this thing." Because the enemy wants to make you feel as though there is nothing you can do about it. That is who I am. That is who I am. I am helpless. And the enemy will bring guilt and shame and condemnation 
And that is what, you see, God, the, the Holy Spirit cannot, does not bring condemnation. It is the enemy that brings condemnation, guilt. And before you know it, pain, stress, they begin to go into depression. This morning, as we are starting our prayer, Pastor Ben said that God is going to deliver somebody from the spirit of depression. And I want you to believe it and claim it for yourself. Because these are the things the enemy put against you to hinder you and to limit you from becoming what God wants you to be. And this addition brings distraction, distraction, distraction. That's what the enemy wants to do, to distract you, to, to make you feel helpless. That is why he came. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I want you to understand, addiction, addiction is a spiritual problem. Addiction is spiritual. And you don't fight spiritual things with carnality. You cannot fight spiritual things by yourself. You cannot do it. Paul said, I find a law that will not allow me to do good. It's a spiritual thing. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You can't fight spiritual things by the image of the flesh. No. It's not possible. It's not possible. You have to come to the place where you say, Jesus, I give my all, not some. I give my all. We were talking about in Acts of the Apostles chapter 8, a man called Simeon. He gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized. But the spirit of sorcery, the spirit of sorcery was still hanging around him. When Peter and John came to pray for the people to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in Samaria, he saw them laying hands on people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. He said to them, he called them, what, what, how much do I pay you to have this gift also? Peter was like, what? You think this thing is, 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 is something you can buy by, by with money? He was saved. The Bible said in Acts of the Apostles, this man, Simon, was saved. Simon was baptized. But that sorcery spirit, he has not surrendered it. He has not surrendered it. There is nothing that wrecks life than addiction. What are the addiction? Food could be an addiction. Food could be an addiction. There are people... <laughs> They hardly fast. They cannot not eat. Food is an addiction. Some people, coffee is the addiction. Coffee. Every day they have to drink coffee. Soda. There are people, they cannot do without soda. And these things, you see, these things may not look like anything, but when it becomes what you cannot do without, that's what I'm saying. When it becomes what you cannot do without, that is where it becomes a problem. I know some people online game, they can spend, spend hours playing online games that they cannot resist them. The time they should use to, they are believers. We are talking about believers here, not unbelievers. The time they should use to pray, 
the time that you used to study the word of God, they spend hours online games. Some of some people, they, they TV is the addiction. They watch all sitcoms, lifetimes, every every movie, um, all those daytime movies, they watch it. I know some people, if they had to go somewhere and they could not, they, they, they would tape it. They would record those movies. It's an addiction. Some people, they're addicted to Instagram, Twitter. The first thing they do in the morning when they wake up, they go to their WhatsApp page, to go to their Facebook, to know who is talking to them, who have, who have they missed. I know some pastors, they came to my house. Every time they're on their phone, I said, what are you guys doing all the time? Oh, Facebook, that's it. I'm like, this has become an addiction, sir. You cannot do without it. They are eating. They are looking at their phone. They are looking at it's an addiction. Those things come after it is from a habit, it becomes an addiction. And they stop you. They limit you. They hinder you from becoming the person God has created you to be. Some people are asleep. Sleep is the addiction. Every little time they are sleeping. They get into the car, they are sleeping. They come back home, they are sleeping. They will not wake up to pray. Mm. They will sleep their life out. Mm. It's an addiction. God help us. And you have to make a decision to say, no, no. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. No more I. You have to, you have to come to the... You see, the Bible, the Bible tells us how to do this, how, what to do. But before we go to what to do, how to be delivered, you need to know these things. You need to know them and look into yourself. Is there any of this area that I need deliverance? I need God to help me. I need to crucify. I need freedom from. What do we talk about lost? Lost has become so rampant. And the Bible says from lost, it moves to sin. Have you seen somebody? Yeah, I've seen, I've heard about somebody. He came to the place in a room and there was a, a naked woman in that room. You know what he was doing? He started pleading the blood of Jesus. He was watching the naked woman pleading the blood of Jesus. The Bible says flee. You don't plead the blood when you flee. But you see, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a lost. The Bible says when lost graduates, what happens? It turns to sin. And when sin graduates, what happens? It turns to death. Lost. Some people, they don't lost, but they read some magazines, some, some, some novels that will, that, will, that will instigate something in them. They begin to fantasize. We are talking about believers, Christians, people that are giving their life to Jesus, people that are going to heaven. You see, let me tell you, it's not about going to heaven. If you give your life to Jesus, you will go to heaven. But the devil will bring these things so that you will not go with somebody. You can go, but don't go with anybody. Don't make sure you will not fulfill destiny. You can go by yourself. That's what the devil is trying to do, to hinder you, to limit you from, from, from influencing other people. The Bible says that in Mark chapter 7, verse 13, we, we make the word of God of no effect. We make the word of God of no effect. 
We are saved. But all these little, little things can hinder us. When people look into our life, they don't see that godliness. There are some Christians, they play lotto. They play jackpot. They gamble. A Christian should not do that. Because you are depending on something. The Bible says we should walk. There are things God will provide for you. God will make a way for you. And this thing, the problem about this thing is, this thing starts innocently. It doesn't matter. It's like somebody watching pornography. It's not, am I doing anything against anybody? Yes. You are doing something against your soul. Pornography kills you, limits you. Even when you get married, you will not, you will not desire your wife. Or when you are having anything with your wife, you are thinking about what filled your mind, the pornography you watched. Mm. There was a, 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 an NBA guy. He lost his place. He, he went to rehab. He's an NBA guy. He has won championship everywhere. But he said, a time came, he cannot go to the games without watching pornography. Some days, he'll be watching it. He wouldn't know when the time he, he has spent so much time. When, there was a day they fined him $100,000 because he came late to the game. Why did he come late to the game? He was watching pornography. He became so, he's married. He's married. He became so bad that he now started visiting all those areas, or no areas. Haven't we heard about ministers of God, great ministers of God that from watching pornography, now they started going out to look for those girls. Because sin does not start later, does not stop. It keeps on increasing. They are saved. But there are some things that the enemy is putting against them to destroy them, to hinder them, to limit them. What do we talk about masturbation? There is now a, a there is now a, a, a kind of debate. Is masturbation a sin? It's a sin. Bible says in First Corinthians chapter one seven, if you cannot hold yourself, instead of you to born, go and marry. There's one from masturbation. They're calling it masturbation. Masturbation. The word for women. People are doing all kinds of stuff. Am I hurting anybody? I'm just, do, I'm just fulfilling my desire. That is what will hinder you from going to heaven. We all are addicts. We all are addicts. There is an area in our lives, including the preacher, that we need to say, Jesus, I surrender this. I surrender this. There are some areas in our life as little as it could be, anything you cannot resist, anything you don't have power to overcome is something you need to bring at the altar. You need to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's what we are talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Is it on the screen? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Praise God forevermore. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul was saying there, I have the right to do anything. You may say, but not everything is beneficial. 
I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You may say food for the stomach and stomach for the food. God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exile to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. They mm. wage war against your soul, not your spirit. Live such good lives among the pagan, among non-believers, that though they accuse you of doing something wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, that is what Paul is taking. Is that the Bible is telling us here? Don't say when you are tempted, I'm tempted of God, because God does not tempt anyone. It is you that will not allow yourself to know your limit that goes about being tempted in those areas that you're not supposed to be tempted. Life is a choice. Life. Life is about choices. Joshua said to them in Joshua chapter 24, choose you this day whom you will serve. But for me and my wife and my house, we will choose the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 9, I have called heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have said before you life and death, blessing and cause. Therefore, choose life that you may live. Choose life. It's a choice. I've had some people, believers, they say to you, um, it doesn't matter whenever it, it is convenient. You see, people like to do something that is convenient, something that is quick, Something that seems good. If it seems good, it's okay. No. No. You don't trust yourself. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your feeling. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart is deceitful. The heart of a man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you may say, ah, it doesn't matter. I feel... I feel like doing it. Feelings are fickle. They change like a wind. Any little thing. So you have to come to the place where you base whatever you're doing. What does God say about this? What is the law? If, if, if the Spirit of God is in you, you know that the, the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will not condemn you. The Holy Spirit will convict you and say to you, no, you should not do this. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. In my conclusion, because of our time, next week, we're going to be talking about how to be set free from you. How to be set free. The next week is so important. Because the good news is, Jesus says that it is for freedom that yes. I came. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom. The reason why you are saved is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So I am saved for freedom. It is these things that we need to be freed from. We need to be delivered from. Hallelujah. In Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, 
Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the good news, to set at liberty, to set freedom, to, to bring freedom to those that are in prison. So that was why Jesus came. For this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifest that he may destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, Jesus came, was made manifest, that he may destroy the work of the devil. That is the good news. That is the good news. Your spirit is saved. Your body and your soul need to be delivered. We need to surrender you to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, in conclusion, chapter 16, verse 15, this is so powerful. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruit of Asia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves. There is a good addiction. You can, can, you can be addicted to God. You can be addicted to God. You can be so, you, you can be so addicted to God that it's all about God. You do things for, it is because of him you do things. You live for him. You live for him. You see, we are not talking about a life of a sinless life. We are talking about a conscious effort. A conscious effort to live for Jesus. We are talking about a conscious effort to dedicate our life, to bring ourselves at the altar. You, you see, when you are, when you surrender your life wholly to Jesus, you still sin, but sin will not have dominion over you. Sin will not take, will not become a habit. It's not something you want to do. It's not something you want to do. You see, the secret of deliverance is not one thing to be delivered. The secret of deliverance is knowing who the deliverer is. Yes. The secret of deliverance is not just wanting to be delivered. It's knowing who the deliverer is. Having an intimate relationship with him. Say, God, it is all about you. I give my life. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to pretend. I, I surrender it. By next week, we are going to tell us one by one step we need to take. Where it doesn't matter how long you have been addicted to one thing or the other. We are going to, by the word of God, show you what to do. To be free, if you want to be free. Jesus has done his part. Jesus has given us love. Jesus has set us free. Now, we want to leave out the freedom. So that in every area of our life, there is no skeleton in our cupboard. Because the enemy wants to limit you. Anytime you want, that, you, want, you want to go and evangelize, you just finish masturbating. The devil say, what are, you, where, what are you going? Where are you going? Come on, sit down there. Where are you going? The devil said to sons of Skivas, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? You want to cast me out? <laughs> you want to cast me out? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? The Bible says, the devil bounced on them. Why? Because there were some areas in their life they are not surrendered. That is what God wants to do in our life. For you to be free indeed. indeed. For you to be free indeed. Where you can, where you can. It does not mean you're not going to be sinful. There will be some areas that immediately you say, Jesus, I surrender. 
I surrender. I receive mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. You dedicate your life every day as a living sacrifice. We are going to pray two prayers. There are two prayers I want us to pray. Number one prayer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. I don't want to do the things I don't want to do anymore. In 1 Corinthians, that's our first prayer. 1 Corinthians says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Mm. I will not be possessed by any of them. You are going to pray, Father, release an impartation in my life that will strengthen my choice for that which is good and godly. Can you pray that prayer wherever you are? Father, in the name of Jesus, release an impartation in my life that will help me to choose godliness. That will help me to live for you. Release an impartation in my life that will help me to make a good choice. Let sin have no more dominion over me. That I will begin to live for you. That I begin to do that which I have ordained for me to do. Give me the grace. I receive the grace. To become the man you have called me to be. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Jesus Next prayer. Amen. It's in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. You see, Colossians 3 verse 5 says, kill, put to death. I like the version that says kill. It says put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You see, put to death. It is your responsibility to put it to death. It is your responsibility to kill it. Put to death whatever that belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. You're going to say, Father, I receive grace to kill every ungodly appetite in me. Provoke in me a fresh hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want you to pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, to kill every unhealthy, ungodly thing in my life. I receive grace to kill any appetite, ungodly appetite, any, any desire that is not of you. I receive grace to kill. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father.